Monster House Records Club. And here's your host, Eddie Monster. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting edition of Monster House Records Club. I'm your most dubious host for the evening, the morning, the afternoon, whenever the hell you're listening to this podcast. That's right. I'm Eddie Monster. So welcome to Episode 8 of Monster House Records Club. I've got a great episode for you guys this week. We are going back to the 90s. In fact, we're going 25 years Back in the 90s, I wish I was doing this podcast back in April. I could have celebrated the 25th anniversary, but it's still 2020. It's still 25 years after the fact of the release. So it's still technically good enough of a time to do this. So why not? But anyways, before we get into all that fun, fun stuff, and before we start covering this record, uh, we got to get into the, you know, the social media side of things. I mean, we do this every week, right? Whether it's Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast, or whether it's Monster House Records Club. So anyways, if you want to follow any of the two, you can do so by going to facebook.com forward slash Eddie's Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Again, facebook.com forward slash Eddie's Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. And that's E-D-D-I-E. That's how I spell Eddie, not E-D-D-Y, E-D-D-I-E. Couldn't tell you how many like Christmas cards I get, and it's E-D-D-Y. And I'm like, I've never been that version. But anyways, uh, go to twitter.com forward slash eddiemonster82 to follow me on Twitter. If you're on Instagram, follow me, instagram.com forward slash pedal to the metal radio show. And last but certainly, certainly not least, my favorite link of them all, pedal to the metal radio show dot blogspot dot com again. Pedal to the Metal Radio Show. Blogspot.com. That is the spot where you go to get all the links you need to be able to listen to the show, whether it be Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Bullhorn, whatever it may be that you listen to the show, it's going to be there. Not the Bullhorn link. I don't know how I'm on Bullhorn, but nonetheless, you can find me on that. Uh, so that's where you go. Pedal to the metal radio show dot blogspot dot com. That is the place. So I've been promising for a couple weeks that I was going to update you guys on ACDC. And I finally found out they debuted at number one on the Billboard charts. So that is huge. Right. That's huge. They beat Future out. And not only did they debut at number one on the Billboard top 200 charts. They also had the number one U.S. top rock albums uh, on that chart. They also went number one in the U.K., number one in Switzerland, number one in Sweden, number one in Spain, number one in Scotland, Portugal, Norway, New Zealand, Italy, Ireland, Hungary, France, Greece, Germany, Finland, uh, as well as Canada, Belgium, Austria, and Australia and Argentina. So pretty much Power Up took over the world. Pretty much. That's what it is. So congratulations to Angus, Brian, Phil, Cliff, and Stevie, as well as Brendan O'Brien, the producer 
for a successful, successful record right there. Number one on the charts, Power Up, right? So with that being said, it is time to get into this week's album of the week. That's right, the featured album, which is one that I love, but in reality, I didn't discover this record until I saw Rob Zombie live. And I'll explain what I mean. So I knew more human than human, right? I had seen the video. I knew the track. I knew Thunder Kiss 65. I knew that pretty well. I never had really checked out White Zombie at the time. So fast forward to OzFest, and I believe it was OzFest 99, I believe is the year. And Rob Zombie came on stage like a wrecking machine with the stage show, the presence, and hearing the tracks like Supercharger Heaven, uh, as well as, you know, more Human Than Human, and so many, so many, so many others, Thunderkiss 65, that I was like, fuck, I got to check this guy out. And literally, Astro Creep 2000 changed my life at that point. And made me realize how amazing Rob Zombie really is. And how he's a treasured artist. So it's funny. But uh, on April 11th, 1995. White Zombie would release what was ultimately their final album together. As lead singer Rob Zombie elected to go solo. Which we already know exactly how that's gone. So on April 11th, they released Astro Creep 2000, Songs of Love, Destruction, and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electric Head, otherwise known as just Astro Creep 2000. <laughs> uh, the band featured the usual suspects, Jay Younger, Sean Yetzalt, Rob Zombie, and for the first time ever, John Tempesta, and technically for the last time ever on a white zombie record, John Tempesta. Um, it was their second album with Geffen Records, but their fourth album overall. The album was very different from previous release, La Sexorcisto, as this was heavier, darker, uh, much darker lyrically, and a lot more metal. Rob had expressed his disappointment in La, Sexi- La Sexorcisto. I always have trouble saying that album title. Uh, and he said, I was never happy with it in some respects it was probably the best thing we could do at the time under the circumstances and that this record was exactly what we wanted to wanted it to sound like so basically saying you know with the limited amount of time and of course a lot of bands are never really given much much time to do their records especially their first ones but usually they say your first record you've had your whole life unfortunately not if you're white zombie because you've already been around since 1985 uh, but the album is definitely White Zombie's best-selling record, having gone two times platinum, selling over 2.6 million records as it peaked on, at number six on the Billboard Top 200 charts and number 25 in the UK. The album was nominated for a Grammy in 1996 for Best Engineered Album, as well as More Human Than Human was nominated for Best Metal Performance, but unfortunately... Neither of those took home an award that night, but in the end, who gives a shit, right? The Grammys never get it right anyways. 
the album is celebrated though in the community as Kerrang ranked it number two on their albums of the year chart for 1995. Rock Sound ranked it 20th on a similar list. And Kerrang also ranked it 20th on their 100 albums you must hear before you die list. Classic Rock and Metal Hammer named it one of the 200 greatest albums of the 1990s. And you know what? I couldn't agree more. If you think about releases from the 90s that are very, very important, White Zombies, Astro Cube 2000 is up there with Tools Enema. It's up there with the self-titled Corn record. It's up there with Rage Against the Machine, self-titled record, you know, and so on. So the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so on and so forth, right? So such an amazing, amazing album. And we're going to talk about every track, but I got to explain the rules. I should have done this at the beginning. We'll do it now. So as you all know, I grade every album. And if you're just joining us, I'm explaining it. We grade every album and every track on a five-star system. We'll go through every track, and we'll go up to a five stars. We haven't had anything below a three yet. That could happen sometime in the future. But anyways, from zero to five, then at the end, we total up all, all of it, and we give you an overall grade, which is also based on a five-star system. So without further ado, it's time to check out the record. But before we do that, Let's hear a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back, everybody. And as I said before, it is now time to check out the record. So beginning with track number one, we have Electric Head Part 1, The Agony. The track starts with the line, perhaps you better start from the beginning. Doom, doom, doom. Perhaps you better start from the beginning. And that, of course, is a line from the film The Curse of Frankenstein, Along with the industrial machine sounds that we've heard in in various other bands before, uh, the band comes in like a freight train that is unrelenting and in your face, and they just, it's like getting a sledgehammer to the head. I love the track because it seems chaotic, but it grooves like no other. This was a total groove metal record from beginning to end. This band really got it right on this. There's a huge debate on a site that I go to about the lyrical meaning of this track. And a lot of it is, you know, people are leaning towards this one being very sexual. I'm going to try to go one way, and maybe it is, but I'm going to go try to go one way, and, and I think it's a song about fame and how we worship rock stars. Why not? That's what I'm going to go with. But nonetheless, Electric Head Part 1, The Agony, gets five out of five stars. We move on to one of the singles. I believe this was the second single released off the album, and it's the second track. It's Supercharger Heaven. Uh, the track begins with the line, Look, I know the supernatural is, is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Right before it kicks in. You know, friggin' amazing. Uh, but that line is from The Haunting, and this is a killer track. It's a chug fest complete with a small little guitar solo that Jay gives us in the beginning as Zombie sings away some interesting lyrics. Now, the track could be about a manga comic called Devil Man, about a man who is possessed by a demon to go out and kill demons in order to save the human race. And it makes sense because every time I would see this track live, 
uh, it's exactly what's playing on the screens is, is the manga uh, Devil Man. So it makes total, total complete sense to me. Um, but one of the cool things is the track also contains some spoken Latin, uh, which is from the Hammer film to to a, to the Devil a Daughter. And it also features Christopher Lee saying, it's not heresy, I will not repent, which is also from the same film. And Zombie has the lyric, bury me an angel and I need some inspiration, which is a reference to the film, bury me an angel. And, you know, this is definitely one of my favorite tracks on the record. And I give it five out of five for a final grade. Uh, We move on to the next track, which is called Real Solution Number Nine. And the track starts with quotes from Patricia Krenwinkel, I believe is how you say your name. Uh, If you don't know who she is, she was one of the Manson girls. Um, Very famous for killing Sharon Tate and various others. And in the first line, she recalls the last words of Abigail Folger, which was one of the, I believe, the victims she killed, uh, that she did in an interview with Diane Sawyer. You know, that whole, I remember remember her saying, I'm already dead. I'm already dead. And then she goes on about, you know, the burning X in your head, uh, which is basically her recalling what Charlie Manson uh, would tell them to do. But the track is heavy as fuck, man. This is a great track. What I like most about this track is definitely the drumming in this. I think John Tempesta really steps it up big time, proves what kind of a drummer he is. And then I love Rob doing his suedo rap kind of thing, like he's doing it through a megaphone. It's pretty badass. And this track, it's all about the madness of Charlie Manson. That's what the lyrics are about. And it also features a clip from the show Cops, if you can catch that line in it. But Real Solution number 9, badass track, 5 out of 5, my friends. We move on to the next one, and it is Creature of the Wheel. And the track wastes no time launching into a sludge fest, just total sludge fest heaven of a track that features some great bass playing from Sean. Sean was an amazing bass player. She still probably is. But I love the drop C chug that made Zombie famous from Jay. It just it just hits your chest. And the track features quotes from the film The Omega Man. And it's fitting because the track is basically so the there's people I believe they're like vampires or something like that in the movie. Um, because basically every human has died and all that is left is basically Charlton Heston. Um and they look at him and they call him a creature of the wheel. So this track is all about their point of view. And it's seeing their view, right? That's what Rob is singing about. So it's pretty badass. I give it a 5 out of 5, baby. Uh, we move on to Electric Head Part 2, The Ecstasy, and the world-famous Up Yours, baby. Which is uh, from the movie Shaft. And it features various other quotes from the black exploitation film Shaft. Uh, Sean once again shines on this. There are tracks on this record where she just shines, and she definitely shines with that heavy metal rumbling classic. But at times the guitar in this track just seems very hypnotic. I don't know why, but it's just like it just you start hearing the guitars and you and you just get in this trance and you're in and you're head banging. Next thing you know, uh, but one reviewer. I loved it because they called them white trash on acid metal. And I think that's pretty pretty fitting. 
Um, but, you know, I'm not too sure he's far off. But anyways, it's a badass song. The first five tracks just hit you like a freight train. Five out of five for a final grade. What do you guys think I am over here? Uh, but anyways, moving on. And we got Grease Paint and Monkey Brains. Now, if you guys have seen interviews with, with Rob Zombie, you know that he hasn't fully told the story, I don't think. Uh, but he's always stated how his family was involved in the circus when he was very, very young. So these memories of are, you know, from when he was young. And he's admitted, obviously, that his family's in the circus. And if you know circus lingo, you know grease paint is another word for clown makeup. And it's so fitting because the track begins with circus-like music before it winds down like like the tape deck is like getting caught and stuck and it's just slowing the track down. I love it. But when it kicks into the track, it's a heavy ass riff before Sean once again takes over the verse with their badass bass playing and it carries the whole entire track. Um it's it's an amazing song. Again, another one. Give it a five out of five for a final grade. Uh, we move on to iZombie, which is just very chaotic in nature and very in your face. And while it may not be my favorite track on the whole album, it definitely shreds like a motherfucker. Uh, there's no denying that at all, basically. Uh, the shrieking sounds throughout the track are from the Brazilian exploitation film Awakening of the Beast. And I pretty much have no idea what the fuck he's talking about in this song. Which is not too far off because a lot of times his lyrics can be very confusing. Um, but I'm assuming the track is about zombies. I'm basically assuming that's what it is. Um, if I had to take an educated guess as to what the track could possibly be about, because I'm sitting there like, you know, like, you know, I don't die, I zombie don't die, or whatever it is. But, anyways. I'm giving this one a 4.7 out of 5 because lyrical content is important. And the track to me is just a little too chaotic. It's a great track. That's why it gets a 4.7. But, you know. Uh, we move on to track number 8, which is probably the most famous White Zombie song besides Thunderkiss 65. Right? We all know Thunderkiss. Everybody loves that track. But more human than human. Starting out with its freaking, you know techno style opening with a woman sexually moaning um in the beginning and it's basically a clip from a 70s porn called cafe flesh now we all know this is an instant classic it's it's a it's been a live staple since the day he released it um but the cool thing about it is jay's guitar playing the track features this like so it features a slide that's usually reserved for blues players, you know, when you use the slide along the neck. And he does it in a way it's fucking killer. It's killer. It's part of the riff. Uh, the track is all about the film Blade Runner, though. Um, because in Blade Runner, their motto is more, the replicants, anyways, their motto is they're more human than human. So this track is all about, it's really all about the book. But, you know, the movie Blade Runner is based off the book, so why not? Uh, I give it a 5 out of 5 for a final grade. 
And now we've only got three tracks remaining <clears throat> on the whole entire record. And it's exciting because it just gets better and better. Coming in at track number nine is El Fantasmo and the Chicken Run Blastorama. What a name. Uh, but it's one of only two tracks to not feature any samples from horror films. It's a groove-heavy track that just rips. And this is probably my favorite singing from Rob Zombie on the whole record. I don't know why, but I love his vocals on this. Very fantastic. But the track could be about a comic book that featured a character named Phantasmo or the Phantom and a Chicken Revolution. Whatever it may be, the track kicks ass. And that's why this track is going to get a 5 out of 5 for a final grade. I love some of the names that Rob comes up with. You know, El Fantasma and the Chicken Run Blastorama. Wait till you hear the name of his new solo record. That's pretty cool, too. Uh, but nonetheless, we move on to track number 10, which is Blur, the Technicolor. Uh, the track opens with some tribal drumming, like we're in Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, before Sean starts ripping it up on bass with John Tempesta providing a cool-ass drum beat before Jay starts shredding in this track that is all about sex and nothing more. I couldn't think of anything else <clears throat> that the track could have been about other than sex, but uh, it features quotes from the black exploitation film Coffee, which you guys know starred Pam Greer, and it starred a future Rob Zombie alum, in the horror world, Sid Haig was also in that movie, for those of you guys that don't know that. Uh, but this track gets a 4.8 out of 5 for a final grade. And last, but certainly not least, probably one of my favorite, favorite songs that I heard live on the Demon Speeding Tour back in 2002. Fucking incredible. It's uh, track number 11, the last track on the whole album, Blood, Milk, and Sky. And I just love absolutely everything about this track, from the hypnotic elements to the drop C chugging from Jay Younger to the Arab-infused sounds of the chorus, which is just mesmerizing. Um, there's just so much going on in this track musically. It's absolutely amazing. And I think the track could be a reference to the book The Odyssey, uh, he talks about sirens, and sirens are these women that sing and they lure men off the ships. Uh, but this is definitely one of my favorite tracks, and I remember seeing it live, like I said. When you see it live, it's just as amazing. Um, obviously, when I saw it live, it wasn't it wasn't White Zombie that did it live. It was the uh, it was Blasco, it was Riggs, and John Tempesta. So we had half of White Zombie in it. <clears throat> but nonetheless, the track features as well the hidden song that comes right afterwards called The Sidewalk Ends Where the Bug Parade Begins. And I'm giving this track a 5 out of 5 for a final grade. And as I promised you guys at the beginning of the show, I'm going to give you the overall grade. And this album gets a 4.95 out of 5 for a final grade. It was almost a 5-star member. Uh, a couple tracks off here and there, nonetheless. Uh, again, my favorite tracks on this whole album would have to be Supercharger Heaven, would be Electric Head Part 2, More Human Than Human, and Blood, Milk, and Sky. Those are my favorite tracks on the whole entire album. This is, this is definitely a great starting point if you want to learn Rob Zombie's history because... 
this is an album that definitely would define who he was. Essentially, even going into the first solo record, you can hear um, elements of White Zombie in that. Nonetheless, as we know, uh, I saw an interview with Blasco, and Blasco told a story about how the record label kept telling him, "Don't get comfortable. We're just letting Rob do his thing." You know, and then Rob will go back to White Zombie. And as we all know, that never happened. And it's unfortunate. I think a White Zombie reunion would be pretty badass. I think a lot of people would be into that. But nonetheless, it's probably never going to happen. This album is a classic. It lives in infamy because it's such a classic. And, you know, definitely, definitely pick this album up. That is going to do it for me here on Monster House Records Club. I hope you guys enjoy the episode and i hope you enjoy every episode whether it be pedal to the metal radio the podcast or this again go to pedal to the metal radio.blogspot.com that is where you get all the links i will see you guys next week with a new episode of pedal to the metal radio the podcast and then following that a new episode of monster house records club we might dive into some heavy metal christmas records in the upcoming weeks but we'll see We'll see about that. I will see you guys next time. 